My name is Molly Chenault and I'm the Public Services Librarian at the Emporia Public Library. And today is September the 11th, 2020. So if you could go ahead and say your name. Uh, my name is Tiffany Fay. And could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I am currently the library clerk at Emporia Middle School. I'm a mom. My son just started preschool this year remotely, and uh, I've been married for almost 10 years, which is a long time. Um, and my husband is a security guard at the hospital here in Emporia. Great. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me when you first heard about the coronavirus? Oh, boy. Um, I... So it was probably, it was probably in February or early March. I have a, a grandfather who is battling lung cancer in Houston. And there was a lot of concern just in like our family group chat and everything, because that side of my family is kind of spread out all over the country. And in Houston, it wasn't like a mega center or anything, but, um, the hospital where he goes and gets his chemo, they were already starting to kind of implement, you know, you can't bring anybody back with you. You have to really stringent hand washing routines. And so we were kind of afraid that like they were going to halt his chemo. So that's probably when I first became like personally aware of it. And what was your um, like emotional reaction to it at that time? I... I kind of thought it's going to be like a big city problem, you know, Detroit, New York City, Los Angeles, it'll hit the big cities, but, you know, we probably won't see very much of it, if, if any, uh, I, I felt like at that time, I, because it was spring break of, in March, um, it's like that second or third week in March, uh, I went with my mom to Houston, and just to kind of help help out around my grandparents' house. And, uh, you know, I, we went to the hospital with him when he got chemo that week. And I remember thinking like, man, this is, you know, they had signs everywhere. I thought that would be the extent of it. So I wasn't too terribly worried at that point. When did the pandemic start to affect your personal life? <laughs> so it affected my personal life pretty early on. <laughs> um, and you probably can't hear it, but my husband's laughing in the background. Um, so when my mom and I got back from Houston, um, it was like on Saturday, that second weekend, March, when the governor announced that she was closing the schools, I, like, I, I kind of had a little bit of a, not a little bit. I, I had like a breakdown. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Are they going to pay us? Are they, what, what's going to happen? And kind of simultaneously at that point, the hospital where my husband works, they have several, I'm trying to think, they have like three, I think three or four of our city police officers who moonlight at the hospital as security. So our police force kind of anticipated there being a lot of issue with like the mass gathering, limit they thought we're going to need all the help we can get so they pulled all the extra guys that have like second jobs they said you can't work those jobs anymore we have to have you available so that if we need extra shift coverage that you're available 
So that meant at the hospital, they had like three shifts at a time that went uncovered. So my husband was at work like all the time. So it was just like so many unanswered questions. And I think, especially in education, it's very, you know, you ask a question, a question you anticipate an answer and they didn't have any answers. Yeah. So since the get go, we've been, <laughs> yeah. Was there a lot of communication going on in the school system? Do you feel like you knew what was going on? I feel like early on they were communicating the best that they could. Right now, you know, we have hindsight. <laughs> so I can look back and say, like, oh, yes, that's an ice cream. Um, that's not what I can look back and say. My son's handing me little plastic <laughs> fruits no, and vegetables. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think they were communicating as best as they could. Especially early on, they didn't have a lot of information to give us. And even if they, even if they had flooded us with information, that information changed so frequently. So our district ended up emailing staff like twice a week, unless it was urgent and had to go out immediately. Um, so we kind of started to look for those twice weekly emails to like, okay, I know this is going to be a long email because I know there's going to be a lot of changes. But yeah, I think, especially because I, I in one of the messages, the superintendent said something like, I learned about this 24 hours ago. So they didn't have enough time to really think about a message. What are we going to tell our staff? Yeah, I think the communication has gotten, it's, it stayed the same throughout all of it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that they're doing the best that they can. Yeah, everybody's doing their best and kind of just reacting as new information comes about, which is pretty often, as you said. Um, where do you normally get your uh, your other news from, like your local news or your national news? So my local news, I get it from just our local newspaper and then our local radio station. Those are the two big ones here. And then national news, you know, I tend to like the Associated Press, but I tend to read all of them. Like that way I can kind of, okay, I've read like the extreme okay. and then I can kind of, I feel like if I've done that, I can kind of, I feel like I'm getting the middle ground out of that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like uh, since maybe about mid-March, um, as you're looking through the different news sources, has the amount of information been enough for you or has it been overwhelming or are you fine with the, um, the, uh, the amount of information? Oh, the amount of information in the beginning, I think, was overwhelming. You know, just thinking about in the building today, uh, you know, none of the kids in our building today, none of them were born when 9-11 happened. Um, and so some of the teachers were talking about it today, but it's like so remote for them. But I was thinking back today about what it was like. Do I remember everything? And I remember the news, right, being like 24-7 all this time. That's all it was. I feel like that's what COVID has become. So in the beginning, it was like too much. I couldn't have any of it on. I couldn't. It was like, I can't. It like heightened that sense of uncertainty. Like, I don't know what's going on. And nobody does either. <laughs> like, 
So, yeah, in the beginning, I felt like it's too much. I had to cut off, like I stopped reading the news. But now I kind of feel the exact opposite. I'm like, it, you know, I, I feel like some people, they think it's over or like maybe they've tuned it out. So, yeah, I went from like two opposites like not consuming any of it. And now I'm like, there's not enough. I don't feel like I can make a decision. Of course you work in the school system. So it was very close to home when the schools closed down. Kind of how were you feeling when things like restaurants and different shops started to down as well or have restrictions? I felt, I don't think that that, I think the, the restrictions that I was okay with since my husband is security at the hospital, they, out of anybody else on staff, they're the ones that go everywhere in the building. They have to. So I had a lot of anxiety. I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but for, for you know, just the feature's sake, um, my hair is wet because we have a protocol that when we, um, when he and I get home from work, like, you know, you wash your clothes, you take a shower, you, um, that was how we handled my anxiety about him being in the hospital. So, I mean, it happened and like, it was, I, I was fine with the restrictions because we didn't use anything. I couldn't take the, the unknown. So like we cut out all those different variables. Was there anything that changed kind of slowly so that um, you only noticed it maybe a little ways down the road? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I kind of, I've said it was pretty, you know, tense. I had a lot of anxiety about everything. But we, so the district made us all work from home, obviously, when schools reopened in April. And uh, I, so I was helping, I became fed support, which was kind of stressful. <laughs> Students with 504s and IEPs, managing that through a virtual platform was not easy. So I, I noticed increasingly, like I would do those sessions outside. And so I would take my son and we would just hang out outside when I was doing that. And I've, I've noticed that now that I'm in the building again, I'm like, man, I really miss the ability to be able to go outside whenever I wanted to. Um, and I didn't realize it until I couldn't do that anymore. So I, yeah, it, we kind of found our, our routine slowly and now that that routine's like within a matter of a week you know it's totally gone I was like oh I didn't realize how much I had actually enjoyed doing that <laughs> yeah because I mean it was it was six plus months that uh, yeah. mm -hmm. been dealing with this have you picked up other habits or maybe started any new hobbies since our stay-at-home period yes so I picked up, I used to cross stitch and embroider a lot, and I, I picked that back up. My son also has a communication delay. Um, he has an IEP as well, and uh, we really used that six months to work on speech. He can count one through ten out loud. Um, he can recognize all of his alphabet. So it, we, I, I pretty early on, it also doesn't, you know, like I just was like, I, I've been given this time. I'm home with him. We're going to make that into something like, I'm never going to get this time back. I want to make it productive. 
So we used it as an opportunity to just, you know, help him work on his speech. Um, I baked a lot. I never made any sourdough. I, I thought like that, I don't have the patience to sit and wait for something to, no. <laughs> but yeah, I baked a lot. Um, we totally landscaped our front yard. <laughs> yeah, my husband was like, I cannot wait until you go back into the building. I cannot take any more of your projects. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about your job situation right now as we start the school year again? Yeah, it has looked really different. And I don't think, you know, I knew going into it, it was going to look different, but it, I keep just reminding myself to have grace for myself and for the people I work with, because you know, you can make plans all day, but you never know how that plan's really going to go until you put, you know, the moving parts into the plan. Um, so we felt like going into it, starting the school year, we felt like, okay, we've got a pretty good handle on this. I think the system is going to work. But then you add, <laughs> you add the students and their families into it, and it yeah, we knew it was going to be complicated, but you obviously can't realize every single situation that's going to happen. And so we come into these situations like, oh my gosh, we didn't, we didn't think of this. And so you kind of have to come up with something, a solution, and just say, this is what we got to do for right now. <laughs> I think the there's a lot of uncertainty because you know the the research is still going on in terms of how long the virus can live on certain library materials. So I feel like even though we have a procedure right now, that procedure may not be the same in a week or two weeks. So there's a little bit of an unknown, like is what we're doing right now even helping? Because right now what we're doing is we, we offer students three options to check out library books. They can, we, in our middle school, we have a cohort that's on campus all the time. Um, so they were identified by the administration and they're, they're in school every single day in the building. So we had to have an option for them. We have to have an option for remote only learners and for the hybrid learners. So they can pick up their books in the library. We can deliver them to their advisory, like their homeroom teacher. Uh, and then we also offer curbside. But trying to find like curbside times that work and then, you know, um, the fact that we are dealing with sixth graders who are in a totally new building, you know, they, so much has changed for the students. It's like they're, they're having to relearn how to be at school. So when we thought, okay, we'll make this form and that's how those students are going to request their books, the information that I need in order to pull the book that they want, it's like we're also, <laughs> it's like we're throwing this whole new procedure at them and we have to go back to the basics. You know, what is a call number on a book? You know, please make sure you spell the author's name correctly. It's, yeah, it, we keep trying to go back to square one, like, okay, how can we make this simpler? How can we, what can we do? And I, today I, I said to the gal I work with, I was like, okay, we just, we're not going to be able to solve everything. We have to solve the biggest things and just let the rest of it go. Because otherwise, you know, it, we could get a system perfect but that system may only be good for three days because things can change and then we'd have to change it again anyway. So 
yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it brings new meaning to the term flexibility. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. How well do you feel that the local government has handled the pandemic? I felt disappointed, uh, to say the least. I think that there are people in positions of power in our community that made decisions as an individual less as a person that represents a constituency of people. And I think it's, it shouldn't have taken this situation to change this about me, but I've become far more aware of local politics than I was before. Definitely, definitely looking at things with more critical eye. Do you think that life will get back to normal? Um, and if so, when do you think that will happen? I don't. And I keep, I keep uh, thinking back to this conversation I had had with my mom. Um, it was like early 2000s, maybe like 2005. And my great grandmother had just passed away. And we all went to this really tiny town in Western Kansas and we were all cleaning out her house. And I remember, um, you know, when you, when you have that kind of experience, everyone's talking about, oh, I remember this item and it brings back these memories and people are sharing these experiences that they had with this person. So my mom and I are in the kitchen and we were clearing out dishes and things. And there were a lot of things that just did not look familiar to me. Um, these like little metal cups um, that had like metallic and just my mom was talking about, you know, oh, I think we got those, I think yogurt used to come in those or something. And she's telling me all about, oh, you know, this dish came from so-and-so and this is, you know, an old butter container and all this different stuff. And she was like, you know, have you ever wondered why we keep all of our cups upside down? And I was like, no, I just think, you know, it's just something we do. Everybody I know kind of does that. And she was like, well, because my, my grandmother lived through the Dust Bowl. And she was like, so she was raised with her cups upside down. And so when her kids grew up and got married and had kids, they also kept their cups upside down. And she was like, you know, it's 2000s. We still keep our cups upside down. I think that we're doing a lot of things now that we will continue to do because it's become, I, I don't know that we'll keep like the stringent protocol. I mean, like taking a shower after you get home and like wiping down every single item I buy at the grocery store on my porch with a Lysol wipe. I don't know that I'll keep all of it, but I definitely think that there are some things that will stick around and it'll be something that, you know, when my grandkids are asking me, you know, like, grandma, why do we do this? Like, well, sit down and let me tell you about 2020. <laughs> what are some of the things that you think might stick around if you could try to predict those? Well, like, like I said, my, my family is spread out. So my parents live in Kansas City. During the midst of this, my sister, it was, she's currently getting her doctorate and she did live in Nevada and everything shut down. Uh, the university that she worked for totally <laughs> closed. Nobody's coming in. You're doing everything on, online. And she lived in a really terrible situation out there. So she moved back to Kansas City. 
she's now working in Vermont, but like we would have, you know, it was just me and my kid basically in my house all the time. So we would do like Facebook calls and stuff and we would chit chat over Facebook and things like that. And one thing that my mom started doing, she was like, hey, you know, I'm using this opportunity. I'm going to like clear out room by room. We're going to go through and if this is yours, I'm going to hold it up. And if you're good with it, I'm going to pitch it or donate or whatever. So she was like going room by room. And at one point she found this old box of like her, her grandma's cookbooks or some, somebody's cookbooks from the depression era. And she was like, oh man, I remember my mom making something like this. This sounds really good. And I was like, take a picture of that and email it to me. And so I started making all of these like depression era foods. It was really cool and also a great way to use weird things I had in my refrigerator that I'm sure those depression era moms were in the same situation. You know, I either can't afford it or I don't have access to it. Um, and we found some really cool recipes that I will probably keep cooking. I discovered that my family loves muffins. If you use Greek yogurt instead of egg, they're like super fluffy. And just whoever watches this in the future, if you have a really picky eater as a child, you can hide stuff in the muffins that way. You can buy like protein infused yogurt or you can buy like yogurt with fruit in it and you can hide it in those muffins. If you make them chocolate. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely recipes we found and just, you know, grace those six months, especially the ones where I was working from home. It was like, Hey, that laundry's piling up. Well, it'll still be there tomorrow and I'll still be in the same situation tomorrow. Like I didn't have to have everything done that same day. How has the pandemic impacted your relationship with family and friends? With family, it's definitely made us more aware of how much time we like to spend with each other. And just the nature of most of the people in my, in my immediate family, most of them work in a situation where, like, my mom uh, is a medical transcriptionist, and she actually lost her job. Uh, the hospital that she worked for laid off their whole transcription department. Thankfully, she was able to find something. She does have a new job now, but like my dad works for the federal government and there was a lot of worry, like, are you going to get furloughed? Are you, it was just really stressful. So we would do a lot of like, hey, everybody, I'm, we're going to watch this movie. How about we all watch it together and we can like text reactions back and forth and stuff. So it definitely, I think, in a way, kind of brought us closer together because we made a point of, you know, like when you can't have something, you want it even more. Because I couldn't go up to Kansas City and see them, it was like I missed them that much more. And at six months, at three years old, six months is a lot changes. And I didn't want my parents or my husband's mom to um, feel like they were missing out on, on my son's life. Friends, it definitely was like, I don't know. I saw, I think, I think friendships deepened. There were a lot of people that I, you know, several of the gals that I work with at work also garden. And so there were a lot of times where it would be like, Hey, I left tomatoes on your porch. Um, and then we would take certain, like we would take, I have way too many peas over the summer. So we would take them out to so-and-so's house and um, like, Oh man, my strawberry died. Like, 
what happened? Well, the squirrel totally dug mine up. And then the gal brought strawberries to my porch. So it was, I don't know, in a way kind of deepened that sense of community because we were all going through this weird, uncertain time. And it was like, I, I don't know, more of a sharing kind of atmosphere, especially early on. And would you like to talk about any ways that the pandemic has affected like your mental health? <laughs> I went back on Lexapro. So future people, that was like, you know, when you read about some, okay, for instance, the Great Depression, when you read about it in a textbook, you think, oh man, that sounds really terrible. Like, oh, that sounds terrible. But you, you can't understand the amount of stress it puts on a body to not know what's going to happen tomorrow, especially locally. When our cases went from like one to a hundred, it was like, what? Where, when's it going to stop? It's like a tornado that's circling. <laughs> it doesn't just plow through. It just circles and waits. It is that, that amount of stress, like you don't know when it's going to end. And it still has, I mean, it still hasn't. Um, when I was in the shower, just what, an hour, uh, an hour ago, um, my husband came into the bathroom and said, hey, um, one of the schools just announced here in Emporia, one of the elementary schools just announced that they're going totally virtual because they have a cluster in the elementary school. Like it, it's, I don't think it's ever going to be over. I mean, the influenza in what, 1918? Like we, we still have influenza. I got it twice last year. It's just that humanity slowly, we develop more of a, an ability to fight it. So I don't think COVID is ever going to leave. I just think, you know, 100 years from now, 50 years from now, you know, if you go in with a respiratory illness and they do a respiratory panel, it'll be on there. I think it has been, in some cases, really awesome for my mental health because I've let a lot of things just, like I've realized, hey, that doesn't matter. What matters more is the experience because this is fleeting and I don't know what's going to happen next week. So it was more about like, okay, it showed me you have to focus on what's here. But at the same time, it showed me, you know, what's here is very precious. And not having any security is absolutely terrifying. And not having answers from people who I felt like should have answers was terrifying. So yeah. Thank you to the makers of Lexapro. <laughs> I'm functional. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you'd like to cover before we wrap up? I can't think of anything. That's okay. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate um, you taking the time to do one of these interviews.